Thank you, Roger. Oh, okay. All right. So, good morning to all of you. It's a wonderful Sunday. Um, and uh, despite whatever party you voted for, it doesn't matter. Because what matters is that uh, the kingdom of God rules. Amen. And uh, I'm just going to pray right now for God to speak to us. The reason why we have chosen to sing this song again is because it's, it's very relevant to our lives. All right? And, and we'll see in a moment as we go through the story of Joseph in the Bible. Not this Joseph, but the Joseph, this Joseph as well. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence here with us this morning. I thank you that uh, your hand is never too short to reach out to us. In fact, you reached out to us over 2,000 years ago. And, and that's why we are here. And because you've reached out to us, we can come boldly to your throne of grace. And we can survive any situation that we go through. And we can come up victorious because you have gotten us the victory on the cross. And we thank you even at this Christmas season, we are brought to be reminded about what you have done for us and how we can be overcomers through the, the difficulties and the trials that we go through. We thank you that you speak to us, cause our hearts to be receptive and open to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, this morning... Uh, we are speaking on this new theme called Dress for Every Season, all right? And I know that uh, we have different dressings, different styles for different seasons. Now that we've come to the end of uh, uh, aut uh, spring, we're coming to the summer season. And so if you go to the shops, you see all the summer clothes being displayed there. And so for different seasons, we have different kinds of clothing. And so today, as we look through uh, the life of Joseph, we, we are going to learn a little bit about uh, this internal dressing that we need to, to do as we go through life. All right? Let's look at uh, the passage uh, that concerns Joseph's life. It stretches from Genesis 37, in fact, to the end of Genesis, uh, the book of Genesis in chapter 50. So, a, a large part of the book of Genesis uh, is, is taken up by this incredible true story. Often when we read the Bible, we think of it like a story. But actually, it was a true story. And in fact, these true stories are more incredible than the stories that Hollywood writes or produces because, you know, it's, it's just to see how God is in this picture. It's just incredible. And often, unfortunately, in the Hollywood stories that you uh, watch, the movies that you watch, often God is not in the picture. But here we see God very much in this picture. So let's just read through this passage. Um, I, I'm just reading a portion of it. Because uh, if I were to read through the whole, uh, whole story, we'll be here the whole day. So it says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan, 
This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. <laughs> Not very wise. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Again, not a good thing. Because he had been born to him in his old age. Thank God I don't have a child in my old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. I was going to bring my wife's mink coat to. I forgot to bring, never mind. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, he hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. <laughs> Not a good dream to share. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. I don't know how many of you normally have dreams. Can I have a show of hands? Wow, you're all dreamers. That's good, but I hope your dreams are godly dreams, all right? And uh, not because you've had too much uh, pizza the, the night before or chao kuei tiao, you know, that causes you to have all these wild dreams. But uh, occasionally, uh, we do have godly dreams. And, and we've got to understand uh, these dreams because God is trying to speak to us through these dreams. Dreams are very powerful, provided they are truly godly dreams, all right? And so, you know, um, dreams are really powerful, just like um, Martin Luther King uh, Jr. here. He, he had a dream. He says, I have a dream. And he, he went on to explain his dream to his people about how the black community will rise up and one day uh, be... Uh, equal with the rest of the population. And you know what? He, he was shot for it, shot for his dream. But uh, nevertheless, his dream came to pass. We saw uh, President Obama, the black, first black president. Uh, it was possible for a black person to become even the president of America. And, and that's, that's the result of this man's, one man's dream. That man's dream kicked off a whole series of events that brought about 
Uh, and, and it's not there yet. America is not there yet. There's still racism. I, I, I've lived there for two years, so I, I can tell you that uh, it's, it's still not there. But nevertheless, because of his dream, things uh, and, and, and began to set in motion to fulfill this dream. And because this man uh, was a reverend himself, a, a pastor himself, I believe God was with him and uh, he was martyred for that. Now, God's dreams and plans for us in Jeremiah 29, 11, you know God dreams for us as well, not just uh, us dreaming, but God has a dream for, for your very life. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts or the dreams that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So in other words, from this verse, we see that God has a wonderful dream for your life. He has a wonderful purpose and a plan for each and every one of you. Now, you may be sitting down there, having gone through real hardship in life. You've been through maybe divorce or, or, or being deserted or you've, your parents uh, abused you or you, you know, bad things have happened to your life. And, and you may say to me, Pastor Roland, this verse is ridiculous. This verse is not true because it's, it's, it hasn't been fulfilled in my life. It's not true. But let me tell you, God's word is always yes and amen. His promises are always true. And part of the reason why things have not turned out so well for you is because you have not understood the purposes of God for your life. And when you look at uh, Joseph's life to see how he turned, uh, he, he lived out a life so that the dream of God for his life could come to pass. Now, Joseph at 17, how many are 17 years old here? Anyone 17 years old? Is Nikki here? 16, okay. Close enough. Preston, all right. At 17, you know, kids are often a bit spoiled, you know, especially if their parents spoil them. And, and the worst thing is show favoritism, all right? It's, I tell you, it's really hard not to show favoritism in the family because some kids are just generally very nice and they suck up to you, you know? And... <laughs> I mean, like my youngest daughter, she used to come to, to us and, and to the mum and uh, my eldest daughter, who is very straight, prophetic type, you know, say, mum, you've got a pimple on your nose. It's ugly, you know. <laughs> and then my uh, youngest daughter comes up and say, oh, mum, that pimple really suits you. It's beautiful. You know, so it's, it's really hard not to show favor because some are just built that way. But Joseph at 17, you know, they, 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 their minds, their frontal lobe, according to scientists, is not fully developed yet. And so he, he hasn't matured fully. So those who are at 17, some, I remember when I was 17 or thereabouts or, or a bit older, I thought I knew everything in the world. I thought, 
you know, what, that, what is there else to, to learn, you know? I, I'm smarter than my parents and things like that. And, and so they, they are brash. Brash means you, you, you don't show respect to, to your older ones and you, uh, you are arrogant, you are proud, uh, you, you, are, you tend to be self-centered. Everything is about you, you know, what about me kind of thing. Uh, everything, the whole world revolves around you at 17 and you lack wisdom. There's uh, foolishness built in your heart, like the Bible says, that uh, a rod of correction will drive foolishness out of the kid. But uh, we, are, we have been born with foolishness because of sin in our lives. So Joseph is, is no different. He was uh, the same kind of a 17-year-old that, that we see around us. But he had one quality that was very different from all others, from all his brothers and sisters. He had sisters as well. And the quality is that Joseph was a man who loved God and a man who feared God and a man who had a relationship with God that, you know, makes all the difference in a person's life. And... and uh, even for myself, I remember even though I was not a Christian, but I was raised in a Catholic school called St. John's Institution in Kuala Lumpur. And I heard bits and pieces about Jesus, about God, and the, the school even took us to see a movie about Jesus at Rex Theatre you know, in, in, uh, in Kuala Lumpur. And, and that made an impression on me. And I remember... Uh, before sitting for my Form 5 exam, uh, and I've never done that before, I, I went to the Catholic Church uh, at St. John's, which is quite near the school. I went to the church and knelt down, and uh, because I was uh, forced to memorize Hail Mary and uh, the Lord's Prayer, I didn't know how to pray, so I knelt down there and I, I did that sign, you know, that uh, follow everyone else, and I said, Hail Mary... And then uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer. I memorized it because there was a time when the headmaster came to our, our classroom and randomly asked people to stand up to recite these prayers. And if you couldn't, he would bring out a, a stick, a thick stick, and knock your knuckles. And so I was one who was chosen. And I got stuck halfway through Hail Mary. And, and I got bashed on my knuckles. Since then, I've never forgotten. Hail Mary and the Lord's Prayer. So, I, I just knelt down and I, I said those prayers and at the end of it, I said, please help me with my Form 5 exams, you know. But uh, I was not a Christian. I didn't know Jesus. But I had a heart for God in, in, in a way, alright. And so, Joseph had a heart for God. Now, you know, let me just say this, that God is more interested in your heart, in your character, than what you can do for Him, than all your charisma and your gifts. I've seen lots of Christians over the many years of ministry and Christian life where they um, say a lot of things, they promise a lot of things, they, you know, they act as though they are really strong, very devoted Christians, but when you really, when it comes to the crux of it, 
you will find that uh, what they say and how, what they live are, are two different things. And so, it, you know, Joseph at 17, God could see that he was, God wanted to bless him. God's plan for him was for, not for evil, but for good, all right? But he could see that he was not ready to handle authority and power. He had to take him through a journey of hardship and, and a humbling process to mold his character, to handle the task ahead. Now, God has a wonderful plan for each and every one of you. And it may not be just in ministry, in the church. It may be out in the marketplace. You may be the, the, the top business person there. Or you may be the best teacher in school. Or you may be uh, a best accountant or whatever it is. God has great plans for you to impact the world. Now, let me just say that whatever dreams or purpose that God has for each and every one of you, and including mine, they are all conditional. And because we don't understand this, sometimes when we hear prophecies given to us and we find that those prophecies do not come to pass or are not fulfilled, we get angry with God and we wonder why it is that God promised these things to us and it doesn't come to pass. Now, the fulfillment of God's promises or dreams for us often requires testing of obedience and the right attitude towards life. We see this in, in Noah, who, uh, whom God tested to build the ark. Uh, Abraham went through the greatest testing <laughs> no, by offering his one and only son whom he had prayed for so long and finally he got his son only to be asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. Isn't that a, a, an incredible testing? Moses was tested. Daniel <coughs> in the Bible <coughs> was greatly tested to see if he would stick to his devotion in prayer and he was thrown to the lion's den. David was tested, you know, and, and he, would be an, he was anointed king by Samuel only then to be pursued by King Saul and, and uh, chased into the wilderness for many years. Peter was tested. I mean, he claimed to love God, but yet at the crux of it, he denied Jesus three times. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to pass all our testing to be used by God. And, and we see here clearly that Peter failed miserably. And personally, even for myself, I probably didn't pass all the testing in my life. And, uh, but nevertheless, if we have the right attitude towards God, if we know how to repent and turn around, and you know, Melbourne is one place where if you... Go on the wrong road, it doesn't matter because there, there's lots of U-turns. Not like KL, you know, or, or some countries where you, you, start, you get onto that road, that's it, you know. But in, in, like in Melbourne, so our Christian life is like that where there's lots of U-turns that God gives us the opportunity to turn back. And John and James, the mother asked for Jesus that they be elevated to sit at his right and left hand. In other words, they wanted to be great. But, and God did in, indeed 
have plans of greatness for them, but nevertheless, you know, to be great in God's kingdom, we will see that you have uh, to be the servant of all. You have to be humble. I, I remember being tested myself many times. And I remember after coming back from England, after my studies, we were so fired up for God, wanted to serve God. And on the plane, I was telling everyone on the plane that I'm going back to Malaysia to be a missionary, to be a, a man of God, to preach the gospel. But, you know, God took me through eight, nine years of, of testing. And he, he didn't open any door of ministry for me uh, during that time as such, but uh, he, he, in a sense, forced me into the workplace. And I eventually uh, joined Unilever, as, as you all know, and asked to be placed in the factory because I'm a food technologist. I have a dual uh, degree in te food technology as well as in management. And so I could go either direction. But I chose to be in the factory because I didn't want to face the commercial world that in Malaysia particularly, where there is a lot of corruption there, I knew it would be very tough as a Christian. And so I specifically asked after my um, um, junior program, the management trainee program, to be placed in the factory so that I don't face people, I can do my work and serve the Lord, that kind of thing. But after four years of being in the factory, the directors, the, the, my directors came to me and said, Roland, we want you now in sales and marketing. I said, oh no, can I refuse? And all my colleagues said, if you refuse, you'll get sacked. So I had no choice but to end up in sales and marketing. And so for the next four years, I was really tested terribly because the company sent me for conferences in Thailand, in uh, Philippines, in Indonesia. And, you know, when you go for those conferences, after the uh, day conference, uh, they take you for night social. And guess where you end up in the night social? In strip bars. And there I was, oh no. I, I didn't know that I was even led to such places. And, 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 and then they would offer me alcohol to drink and, and all that. I would say, no, 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 I, I, I don't drink. And, and then one of the girls from the, uh, uh, on parade, I mean, she was not totally naked, but she was in, in, in her bikini kind of thing, jumped over and, and grabbed my, my hands and said, come, let's spend the night together. And you know what? All my other colleagues from Singapore, different countries were all gathered there. The regional managers were there. And, and they were all so happy. So, come, let's go, you know. And, and I, in, in my heart, I was squirming. I was dying. And I, was, I, and I said, no, no, I can't because I'm married, you know. And uh, so, I, I took the first excuse to get out of that bar. And, and went home to my hotel. And then my colleague said, be careful at the hotel, there'll be people knocking on your door, you know. And, you know, I, and I was praying, God, no one, no one knock at my door, that kind of thing. But, you know, God 
took me through all kinds of testing. And business-wise, you know, when I took over the business, it went down even further and got scolded by my boss and, and all kinds of stories. Uh, all ki- I, I always say that my best Bible college was that four years at Unilever, not even at my region university, because it was there that I found God. It was there that God came true uh, and through for me. And, and so, um, another testing that I went through was uh, uh, after I had pastored, uh, towards the end of my pastoring time in Kuala Lumpur, one of the brothers betrayed me because we had started a Christian school, a thriving Christian school. And as you know, schools, school licenses in Malaysia are very valuable because they can earn you millions of dollars. And we manage uh, through the grace of God to get a license for the school. It's called Scholar Sri Sampurna. It's got over a thousand students right now. And one of the brothers who was a very close friend of mine, I've told this story before, but for the sake of the new people, I'll just share this briefly, that uh, he, he came... And, and asked me about it. And I said, this school is not for sale. It's un- to be under the church. But behind my back, he went to 10 business people and got their agreement to buy over the school. And, and tr- was trying to persuade the eldership of uh, the church to, uh, to, to give it over to these 10 business people who seemed to know how to run a school better than the church itself. So he was very deceptive and and so on. And so when I found out about his scheme, I went to stop it. And he was very upset with it. And he went to tell these 10 business people that Pastor Roland was the one who has prevented you guys from acquiring the school and, and, and spoke very badly about me. Now, here is a man who uh, was a good friend of mine who went on mission trips with me and so on, but his whole motive and heart was was wrong because we wanted the school to remain under the church so that it will be directed in in the right direction with with spiritual values and so on. Now, so when I met him, I, I gave him an earful. I, I scolded him. I hardly scold people. But this time, I was really angry. I, I told him off. And, and he apologized to me and so on. But when I went to America for studies, I thought I had forgiven him. And so after my studies in America, I came here to plant this church. And in, I think, the first year of starting this church, one day I had a call from him. And he had the nerve to call me and say, Pastor Roland, I'm coming to Melbourne. Can you look after me? And I thought, right, I'll poison you. You come over, all right? (laughs) And I didn't realize there was so much bitterness hidden inside of me. And I I said, yeah, 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 come, come, you know. But, But then the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to treat him like a king. I want you to get Evelyn to cook him a meal fit for a king, a banquet. And I want you to take him around the sites of Melbourne to show him Melbourne and entertain him and then send him off 
uh, well, you know. And so, gritting my teeth. When he arrived, I did that. So, I was nice to him and, and uh, we had a nice meal. My wife cooked him a wonderful meal and, and sent him off. And, and, and I just released him and blessed him. But as a result of my obedience to the Lord in forgiving him and blessing him, something released within me. That, that anger and bitterness towards him was broken. And I think it was two or three weeks later, we had our first camp of the church. And uh, the older ones would remember that my mom, who was in a wheelchair situation, scheduled for knee replacement surgery, was at the camp. And we had Pastor, Pastor Russell Sage from Perth come over to, to uh, minister and my mom was miraculously healed. So many people were touched by the Lord. So many miracles galore. My mom came out of the wheelchair, jumping and dancing. And on stage, she demonstrated her healing. And all the non-Christians in the church, there were seven of them, all came to the Lord. They came running out to the front to give their hearts to Jesus. And we had a mini revival as a result of that. And that brought about the growth of our church in that early days. Now, I attribute that blessing, that revival to uh, my obedience, my willingness to let go of my bitterness and have the right attitude towards those who have hurt us. And so we see here in the case of uh, uh, Joseph, that he had the right attitude. Now, we can often disqualify ourselves, and I won't dwell too much on this, but we see many uh, cases in the Bible where God had wonderful plans and purposes and promises and dreams for them, like Samson, like King Saul, like Judas, Demas, Hymenius, and Alexander. You can read that for yourself. Where God had wonderful potential for them, but unfortunately, they did not meet their potential. They did not rise to their potential. In fact, they were uh, uh, sidetracked and, and made shipwreck of their faith. People like Samson, but towards the end, he repented. That's, that's good that he repented. But King Saul, he didn't. Judas, do you think God had good plan for Judas? I think he did. He gave him many chances. But unfortunately, he chose, he decided the path that he was to, make, to take. Demas forsook Paul and Hymenius and Alexander. All this you can read for yourself. They disqualified themselves. Even though they had dreams from God, even though they, they, they had a great potential for their life. What Joseph could have become uh, in, in the trials, you can read the story for yourself. I, I, I didn't go through the part where he was sold to Potiphar's house as a slave and then ended up in jail. He could have easily, and I, if I put myself in Joseph's place, often as I read that story and I think to myself, if I was in Joseph's place, I could have en ended up, and I've seen many Christians all right, go through uh, terrible situations in their life, end up angry, end up cynical, 
unbelieving, even backslidden, end up bitter even towards God, even hating God, being unforgiving, revengeful, being very negative. When you talk to them, everything that comes out of them is just negative, negative, full of gripes, full of complaining. It's like the children of Israel, when they went through uh, the, the wilderness towards the promised land, what was in their heart really showed out, all right? And, and, it, and they were murmuring, they were complaining, and they all ended up dead in the wilderness. Joseph could easily have become like one of them. And I, myself, if I'm not guided by God's Word and the Holy Spirit, with what I've been through, I could easily have ended up with these attitudes. Instead, and this shows the heart of Joseph. And I wish that all of us, all of you and myself, we would be like Joseph. Joseph is a type of Christ. He had a sweet, excellent spirit. In the midst of injustice. See, it's so hard to be happy, to have a sweet spirit when injustice has been done to you. And, you know, he, was, he remained faithful in his service. Even though he was brought down low, he was accused wrongly, he was uh, criticized and everything, and, and probably even beaten, he remained faithful with the lowly jobs that was given to him. Because, you know what, in his heart, he was not serving Potiphar. He was not serving the jailer. He was serving the Lord himself. His, his devotion to the Lord remained. He remained faithful to the end. And you know, Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful person shall abound with blessings. And I found that to be true. Those who would cling on and, and persevere with the Lord, God will somehow come through in your life. And... Uh, and, and there was growth in divine wisdom and understanding. You will notice in his life, he went from having dreams at the beginning, at 17, to interpreting dreams for others. In other words, you know, it's easy to have dreams, right? But to interpret dreams, that requires godly wisdom and understanding. He has moved on. He has progressed from just receiving from the Lord, blessings and dreams to being able to understand His surrounding situation. What we need to, to be are people who understand the seasons of life. Understand the times that we live in. What does it mean that uh, uh, now that the elections are over, what what is God doing in our midst? What is God doing in Victoria? Is God still here in Victoria? Of course He is. We've got to progress from being self-centered to, and, and to grow in wisdom and understanding with God. We, he, Joseph, instead of being self-centered and angry and bitter, he cared for others. 
Now, for someone who has been through what he went through, most people will say he, he has been traumatized. <laughs> he should be suffering from post-traumatic disorder. Right? Like, like some of the soldiers who went out there. I believe that if you have God in you, no matter what situation you go through, you will come through very well. He helped, you know, there's a saying by Les Brown. I don't know who he is, but I saw this. It's, it's very good, I thought. Help others achieve their dreams and you will achieve yours. And that's what Joseph did. So how should we be dressed as we come to the end of my message? Romans 13, 14 says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be dressed by the Lord Jesus. Make prov no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Now in this world that we live in, the world attributes worth based on external things. I remember those days in Hong Kong when you go shopping in Hong Kong. Sorry for those who are from Hong Kong. But I remember those days when you go to Hong Kong, they will look at your dressing, right? And if you did not dress really richly and all that, they will not even talk to you, right? But, uh, and they were arrogant and snobbish and, and all of that. But I just made a, a, a recent trip to Hong Kong and uh, wow, the whole atmosphere has changed. And they are very nice to you, you know. And, and they will, if you ask for direction, they will even come out of the store and take you to, to the place that you, you want to go to, you know. And, and so, they are now focusing not so much on the externals, but on the internal. And so, often, you know, as we are influenced by the world, we are so focused on our external dressing. And that's why brands, all these branded clothes and, and so on, they sell for so much. They are really not worth that amount, all right? Don't buy Louis Vuitton, all right? Just buy a, a same type from China. It's just... A, don't focus... While, you know... While God looks at how we address internally, because the Bible tells us that we are to put on the garment of praise, the robe of righteousness. See, it's a lot of wordings about dressing, but it's all internal. The armor of God, put on truth, put on righteousness, put on peace, put on faith, put on helmet, put on, take the sword of the Spirit, the mind of Christ and the words that you speak, the sword of the Spirit. If you don't understand all that, get my book. But sorry, it's all sold out. I've got to, I've got to reprint again. So what is God looking for in our lives? God, it, it says here, in, uh, I forgot to put the verse in, in, in uh, uh, I think it's in uh, Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, a clean heart, O God and renew a right or steadfast spirit within me. You know, you can't control your external environment. We can't. Sometimes we end up in a war zone. We end up in a bitter situation. You can't control your external environment. But you are responsible for your internal environment. 
you can control your inner world, your heart. And Joseph did that. He was in such a hostile environment. <laughs> I mean, who, who could have been worse than what he's been through except Jesus, you know? And even Jesus himself, he was whipped, he was beaten, and yet he could say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because he could control his inner world, his, his spirit, he says. And, and this is something that we need to constantly come before the Lord as we go through challenges in life, traumatic situations in life. We, let's stop blaming others. Let's stop. Oh, it's Pastor Chris's fault. It's FGA's fault that I'm not spiritually strong. It's uh, my parents' fault. It's my wife's fault. My husband's fault. My children's fault. They irritated me. That's why I'm an angry person. My dog's fault. I used to blame my dog, all right? I, I couldn't blame my wife. I couldn't blame my... So I blamed the dog. But we can't blame anyone. We, God has given our heart, our inner world for us to control and to come before the Lord. Even if we can't control, we can come to the Lord and say, God, help me. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. The path of humility and servanthood leads to greatness. And so in verse 35, he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. And lastly, this it says here in 2 Thessalonians 1.11, Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. And that's why today we sang that song again, The Streets of Melbourne. I know it's a secular song. But I think that song is a very powerful song because it says that, uh, you know, if, if you have all these woes and all these problems, let me take you through the streets of Melbourne, not London, but Melbourne. And I remember that song became famous when I was in London uh, as a student. And uh, I used to roam the streets as a student, nothing to do, you know, roam the streets of London with, with my girlfriend, Evelyn, you know. And, and, then, uh, and then we would see all these poor people, uh, homeless people on the street. And, and that song became so pertinent to me. And when I look at them, I realize I've got nothing much to complain about. There's so much to thank God and praise God for. And, and God says, hey, you want to fulfill the calling of God in your life? You want to fulfill the dreams in your life? You've got to be worthy. You have to be counted worthy. There's another verse uh, in, in Luke, I think, 21, where it says that uh, we, we, we have to be counted worthy to escape the terrible things that are coming upon this world. That's what Jesus Himself said that there is a place where we can escape the trials and the temptations that are coming into this world when we walk right before the Lord. 
when our hearts are preserved, when we have a clean heart and a right spirit within the Lord. And so I think as we end this service today, it behoves me to put this challenge out to the people of God here today that you may have been through traumatic situations and trials and difficulties and in your heart, you are upset, you are unhappy and, and so on. And God says, hey, do you want to be a Joseph? We can be like Peter. We've made mistakes, but we can turn around. Today, I feel it's a day of repentance for us as a church, as a people of God. If you want to come up, you can come up or come to any one of us for prayer afterwards. But right now at your seat, just engage with the Lord. There are many issues in our lives, many situations that we don't understand. We can't see God in any of them, in the situations. We can't see. We're sometimes even angry with God. But let's come today and say, Lord, forgive me, O Lord, for betraying you, for murmuring, for blaming others for my situation, for blaming God even. And the last person I blame is myself, but I should be the first person to blame. So forgive me. Create in me. If Ian can sing that, create that, that song, that heart thing. Change my heart. Change my heart, oh.
I hope you really let the Holy Spirit speak to you deeply today. Um, I know I was sitting there, I've heard Uncle Roland speak so many times. Um, actually really convicted me today as well. All of us need to take a good look at our heart, take a good look at the inner clothes that we are on, the inner life that we are living so I, um, even as I close this in prayer, I want to encourage you, if you want to just stay back here, sort some things out with God, if you would like to come up, we'd love to pray for you. Um, but Sunday needs to be this time. How often do we get to slow down our life and allow God to convict us on the inner parts of our life, the inner things that we're putting on, maybe that's bitterness, maybe it's unforgiveness, injustice that has happened to you. I want to encourage you, even as I close, we're going to keep this atmosphere here. We're going to, we're going to stay in His presence. Um, you're really, really welcome to hang back and let God sort some of these things out. Um, just before I dismiss, um, what we're going to do as well is uh, after everybody has had food and some chilling we actually we need to reset this area so we're going to leave some space for everybody to stay back here and sort some things out with God eat your food and then we're going to call whoever's around to maybe help us out to set up all the chairs um, for tables that we're going to do for our our Christmas um, dinner all right but that'll be much later let's give God some good space here uh, as I close this in prayer Father God, as a church, we repent before you. As a senior pastor of this church, I repent before you of some of the attitudes that I've had, some of the attitudes in our church that we've allowed fested because of things that have been done wrong or people who have forgotten us or, or things that have happened even in our lives that have caused us to become bitter, to take on these unforgiveness traits that have infected our lives. I, I pray, Lord God, today that your Holy Spirit would create in us a clean heart. Help us to go home to our wives and our, our children, to our jobs, to our friends, to our family with new clothes on today. Having put on, having just put on Christ. We lift up your work today in Jesus' name. I pray that we would go forth in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Uh, please exit slowly.